Hey gang, welcome to Big Brother and the Hodling Company. It's a podcast about music and Web3 and trying to fend off Big Brother. I'm a Keegan Voice. Today I spoke with my colleague Stephen Ladden, who's an LA-based, upstate New York-born writer and producer who focuses on creating content that normalizes underrepresented voices. He's written and produced a number of short films, and he, like me, derives great joy from interviewing artists and creators. He writes for spots like High Times and Ask Men, and he hosts the Lights, Camera, Crypto podcast, which also sits beneath the Decentral umbrella. We chatted about his journey, from baseball card collecting, to discovering a love for entertainment, to Web3, to finding inspiration in the voices of his interviewees. Hope you all enjoy the conversation. Here we go. Hey, Steve, it's great to have you here. Happy to be here. Um, I'm, I'm going to borrow the term that you used when we flipped roles in, in calling this in, in an all-in-the-family sort of affair. Yes, and, incestuous. And I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and that's not as weird as it sounds for those listening. That is just uh, one one dissential writer and podcaster interviewing another. Um, Yes. <laughs> no, no lewd visualizations, folks. Uh, indeed, very indeed. professional. Get, get rid of those. Um, we've done another one of these where I, um, I was in the hot seat, and now we are flipping that, and so now I'm interviewing you, which I'm excited to do. And I also like to your your context is like this is uh, we're on a lot of shared correspondence, but don't often get a chance to connect and chat so it's a good opportunity to really dive into each other's stories so yes excited to do that same same um so yeah you know with with all of these things i like to start at the beginning and uh just get a better sense of of you who you are um where you grew up and how your interest in doing this work started to first form First started to blossom, sure. So my journey began in upstate New York. I am a New York native, grew up in a suburb of Albany called cool. Gilderland, for, for those who may be familiar. We have a, uh, a very prominent mall, which is the fixture of the town. Nice. Um, and, and ever since I can remember, I think I had a, a burning desire to be creative, and I don't think I understood it at the time of of youth I, I knew there were things like you know when you'd in, in elementary school you know uh, i was a good artist and uh i enjoyed those uh small crafts that that you'd make in class or uh those books i don't know if uh listeners had that experience or, or still have those experiences where you'd be in third or fourth grade and you know write your own little picture book and, and stuff yeah. like that but dioramas all of those things so mm. really enjoyed uh creating and much like uh what we've talked about in terms of parental influence uh mm. mine were were very similar to to many others in the sense that they're like steve you know as as you start to get older you know what, what are you going to do for a career mm. and it wasn't really clear to me that being creative or pursuing that path was something that was uh, viable. You know, mm. I, I was, I grew up with this understanding that, you know, uh, a tangible career in, say, uh, law or, you know, even 
an electrician. You can something that you can physically do Put and your hands on. cause an effect. Yeah, yeah. Ha, make money in yeah, was yeah. sort of the the um, the path. And so for me, sports actually were the um, the impetus for for a really long time. And and much like yourself, yeah. I uh, I too played uh, baseball and and oh, loved nice. baseball, loved loved football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, you know, really just when when fantasy sports came about uh at least for for, for us in the early 2000s fell in love with it you know we'd, mm. we'd spend time uh i would show up late to class because i was checking the stats from the night before you know would read the paper in the morning <laughs> and uh you know see see who hit, was hitting home runs and all that stuff and totally you know that for me was was really what i enjoyed um you know, and, and didn't let the artistic side go away necessarily. I mean, writing was what my strong suit was, uh, but but certainly thought, okay, sports, I can see a more linear path to working in that field, and it's something that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, um, you know, through college, and at that time, it was my junior year, I had taken an internship at a... Uh, minor league baseball team up in in upstate new york the tri-city valley cats cool um and at the same time had been sort of talking to the the albany athletic department university at albany um where i'd had an internship there and that through just uh some some alumni connections led to an internship with new york giants as their uh it intern Cool. And so, yeah. So at this point in college, I'm like, okay, sports is the path. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm going. I don't know where it's all going to even out, but that's, I'm in, I'm in where I'm supposed to be. Mm. Senior year of college, a, uh, a gentleman by the name of Mark Wilding, who is uh, an EP on Grey's Anatomy, I think he worked on The Ellen Show, came and spoke to our, our screenwriting class. And it was at that point where I realized, oh my gosh, you can actually have a path in writing, that can be mm. an option. So, had a very come to Jesus moment or come to the universe moment, whichever come to energy, you know, had, had a, had a very, <laughs> good way had a very uh, yeah, existential situation and just sat with myself and was like, well, hey, Steve, where, where is this path for sports coming from? Is it coming from you or is it coming from a combination of you and what you think you need to do based on what your parents and what other factors of society has has pointed you you know mm. is are, are you acting are you moving forward on your own accord or are you moving along on your own accord with a with a plan that perhaps wasn't what is innately yours in place right. and yeah. when i asked myself that question into. pardon no, I, I, I said that's a hard question to dive into yeah oh yeah for sure for sure <laughs> and um so when i asked myself that question as you said, very hard, but it but it made me acknowledge, you know, certain truths inside. And uh, at that point, was like, well, wait a minute. No, I think I am living out the expectations of of others in this moment. And mm. if I'm going to be true to myself, I want to see where this this writing thing goes. I don't, you know, I'm taking this entry level screenwriting course, but I really think that I I can. I know I have the skill set. I don't know how to apply it necessarily, but I can I can do it. Mm. And so that then led to those sort of a turning point um, where 
I ha- I just started to go all in on interests, and since writing was one of them, um, you know, still enjoyed sports recreationally and and fantasy and every, all of that, but um, had applied to, you know, started it it started this deeper dive, and uh, mm-hmm. without without getting too lost in the details, uh, sat in my room on like a Sunday drinking a beer and realized, oh my gosh, all of the music that I'm listening to these folks have representation and at mm. that time there was no real understanding of agents and managers and all of those things right. so amateurly i sent out my college resume to about like 20 management agencies mm. uh and and you know was like hey i want to get involved and none of them uh quite quite accurately responded to me except for one and uh that was silverback management a a, a los angeles based management company and uh you know, with the the record label on the side, and they are the um, the founders, John Phillips, Matt Phillips. They represented Sublime back in the day. Cool. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they they were the only ones who got back and uh, were like, "Yeah, man, you can. You're you're at the University of Massachusetts. You can promote our bands on on the East Coast." And I was like, "All right, cool." Mm. And their their staple now is uh, you know slightly stupid and really they're really the some of the leaders in the Cali reggae dub scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I ended up just promoting their work on the East Coast, was pursuing this writing thing, and then had kind of this confluence, this convergence of music, writing, and I was like, all right, LA seems like the move. Hmm. That's where Silverback's based. Why don't I move out there? Move out, keep continuing interning for them. Quickly realized, though, that if you want to be, if you want to succeed in any particular field, you know, if you're going to be in music, be in music. If you want to be in film and TV, be in film and TV. Mm-hmm. So again, another existential moment, you know, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do? How are you going to gear shift? And I was like, well, film and TV writing, that's, that's the path. This has been a fun experience. I'll always, music will always be there. But I gear shifted, uh, ended up taking a position at a reality production company, again, as an intern that led to my first paying job uh, at uh, Creative Artists Agency, CAA, mm. uh, one of the you know premier uh, agencies for talent representation, sports, mm-hmm. et cetera. And that was really the start um, of, of how the career in entertainment, in writing, uh, really came to fruition. And it was at that point where being surrounded by folks, you know, it, again, it was tangentially related, but you're representing... A, and working with people who I admired and, and, and people who had careers that I saw were viable, you know, and, and right. talking to them every day, talking to, ended up moving through uh, the, the, the company and landing in comedy. And really, it was there where, you know, my, my friends and, and some of the clients started to, business and, and, and funds started to merge. And the idea of that as a path was was solidified uh and and you know i don't, I don't think i've looked back since um hmm. you know the the journey then was from there working for a, a director producer and a, a writer and really cut my teeth uh learning under these seasoned professionals and uh ultimately went on into my own in about 2016 and uh, you know that led to some some early wins had a quick win uh an early win that sort of validated that decision to to 
branch out in, onto my own uh, collaboration with uh, a good friend and uh, cr- collaborator, Francisco Ramos. He's a, he's a great comedian. Hmm. And we, um, we sold this, you know, silly uh, short, digital short series to uh, Mas Mejor, the Latino arm of, of Broadway Video company, of course, uh, behind production company behind SNL. And that was sort of the, the, again, small, very small win, but it, it happening after within six months after kind of going out into my own was, was the little boost that I think that's huge. Yeah. Gave me the confidence to say, all right, Steve, you may not know where this path is going, but you're, 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 you're on it. And, Mm. um, you know, the it's, it's been, it's been a fun ride since, you know, had, had some couple, had a couple fun wins, uh, back at in the fall of 2020 we had a short film again francisco and i uh co-wrote and he starred i produced a short film that got picked up uh on hbo max or max cool. as it's now called uh right. it's called zoo animals um license expired though so uh this past fall it uh it's no longer there but uh-huh. still still again I, you know it was the next level up it's it was uh all right for sure here's here's the next thing and and so now uh all of this has come together through through writing in in sort of a couple different areas one traditional film and tv which you know obviously uh given the strike is is kind of uh right you know not not uh it's a it's a little stagnant uh, aside from personal development um but the other avenue uh, which is is how we have come to joined forces under the essential banner is is through interview work and and that all came about in 2019 uh had uh had a buddy over at uh, high times and in, in events and uh he you know i had, had i was like hey man i got, I got some some uh some ideas that i'd love to to try to write in editorial form and uh so he mark Kaz, shout out to him uh mm. flipped flipped me over to the editors i, I pitched him a, a couple things and uh they bit on an interview series with comedians whom you know i had a had a good relationship and friendship with and started with just once a month and then that kind of grew uh particularly over covid where people had time and wanted to have a conversation right to this thing with you know it was all right comedians then it was musicians and actors and filmmakers and it blossomed into this more robust um series that you know, really just aims to understand much like what we're the work we're doing in Web3, understand the person behind the artistic product. And um, that for me has really been, and that's why there's a lot of alignment with with the work through Decentral, because it's essentially say, ha- taking the same interview format that was happening with uh, with High Times and eventually Ask Men, the uh, men's health website, uh, to to uncover the factors that have helped people lead to success and how they were mm-hmm. able to bet on themselves and, and find alignment in the things that they're doing. So yeah, that, uh, that was a very long winded way to, <laughs> <laughs> to give you the journey, but, uh, try to give you a, a comprehensive look. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great journey. I have quite a few questions that I've written based on all of that, but I'm curious first, um, in, in aligning, uh, you know, riffing on, on the, the comprehensive take of of the work that you do and interviewing people <clears throat> across the board across various industries um and diving into like you know the qualities that have gotten them where they are 
uh, if if you could distill any commonality across all of these people into like say three bullet points, like what do you what do you hear most often when you're talking to people, or it just clicks like, oh yeah, that was probably the thing. Predominantly, first and foremost, I would say it's people started pursuing something, whether it was comedy or music or acting because that was what they enjoyed for fun. Mm-hmm. And so the starting point was, hey, I'm doing this not because I want to make money, not because I want to have some grander picture. It's because in this moment right now, I'm fueling that inner child in me and mm-hmm. it feels amazing and I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. And, and that I would say is bullet point number one is the residing commonality is, is most folks who have had you know, a uh, uh, semblance of success, you know, large or small, mm-hmm. started doing whatever they were doing for the love of it. And, right. you know, I think that's very applicable to really anything, any facet in life. We're talking specifically about artists, comedians, you know, et cetera, musicians. It's finding your passion and then living that passion right. would, be, would be the first commonalities. Second, would be sticking with it you know Mm. nobody got to where they are by having an interest and then being like oh yeah that would be fun and then not doing anything about it i think (laughs) i think that's that's where you're at (laughs) totally totally so you know the the other element there is is taking action on those passions it's one thing to and again all of this is work that that may not seem like work but if you pull back 500 foot 5000 foot view you know you can see sort of how th- this is a process it's it's identifying what you enjoy what you're passionate about and then taking the step of okay well i want to actualize those ambitions and and those interests and see where it leads okay. so i think bullet number 2 was curiosity leading to to action and then three just really leaning into who they are as people and as artists mm. not trying to conform to what they think people will want or what they think they have to be and rather letting their own inner creativity inner creative genius propel them to the work that they end up creating and uh you know that that those collectively those those three things across the board i would say are are the uh the blueprint that I've, at least from my perspective, that I've gleaned as the uh, foundational roadmap for any type of longevity in any particular field. Mm, Cool. Yeah, those all resonate. Um, And I would love to dive into how you've mapped that blueprint onto your own life. But first, I want to take a step back and talk about baseball. I hardly (laughs) ever get to talk about baseball, especially living in London when Nobody cares about baseball. <laughs> um, so you're from New York. Are you a Yankees or Mets fan? You know, I grew or up a something Yankees else. fan. No, uh, well, Dodgers fan now, but grew okay. up Yankees. And uh, back in 2000, when it was like 2000, 2001 era, I went to high school one day and just saw all of these bandwagon fans. And it was mm. such a disappointment. I was like, yeah. man, these people talking about the Yankees don't even watch baseball. And I was like, ah, oh, 
and no disrespect to the Yankees, you know, still, still always will have love for, for the team. But I was like, you know what? I want to find a new team and uh, couldn't like the, the Red Sox, obviously. Right. Couldn't really like the Mets, even though, you know, different league. But, yeah. Different, <laughs> yeah. And uh, ended up trying to think, well, you know, what, what teams have their roots in New York, if any? And then it was like, oh, you know, Giants in San Francisco, Dodgers in LA. Mm. And so, yeah. Uh, I was a Sean Green fan back in the day and uh, Eric Sean Gagne Green. fan. Yeah, yeah. Eric Gagne. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Mike Piazza before he was a Met. And um, right. so just started following them and, and got into the culture and then, subsequently you know no <laughs> had no plans uh my plans to la were not motivated by baseball but uh <laughs> there's some some symbiosis symbiosis uh that that allowed uh the fandom to to then be actualized uh once i moved here yeah wow yeah that was lucky <laughs> very very could, could it could have gone in a very different direction yeah no, I appreciate that you're not a Yankees fan anymore. <laughs> uh, I, as as a as a Twins fan, and, uh, and how um, the Yankees always seem to beat the Twins every single time. Somehow, it's the Twins Yankees in the first round of the playoffs. Whenever the Twins do happen to find themselves in the playoffs, and of course, the Twins never win. So, well, uh, good for you for moving on to the Dodgers. You know, it was. Uh... Hey, they 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 do something right over there. <laughs> yeah, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Um, where yeah, you mentioned like being into you know into stats and uh, and you know fantasy and stuff. Did you collect cards ever? Was a big car collector uh, as a kid, and had the the binders with the mm-hmm. plastic inserts, you know, and and uh, still have that collection. Um, you know, which is, which is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, uh, predominantly baseball, but, but got dabbled a little bit into, to football and, and basketball and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hockey it was, it was across the board. Uh, but, but yeah, really, really enjoyed the card collecting. And I think fantasy sports were sort of the next evolution just of that passion for yeah. players and stats and everything like that. And, and to this day, uh, shout out to our uh, Gilderland Fantasy League. We we still maintain uh, the same core group of guys nice. from from middle school. Yeah, yeah. We still we still get after it after uh, twenty plus. So good for you. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, no, I collected cards as a kid too. I never got into fantasy for for whatever reason. Um, I'm curious what uh, like if you're going to show somebody your card collection, like what's the one card you pull out and be like, can you believe I have this thing? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I'd have to go back through and look. I, I, I'm not as uh, diligent about what's in what's within those binders as I probably mm. should be. But I, I think it would be. I, I think within the past three or four years, I did do like a little trip down memory lane to see what uh, what popped up. I think there's a. I mean, at this point, you know, I, I don't think it's uh, a rarity, but there was a, a Ken Griffey, dream. 1989 upper deck. Uh, I think it was the the dream team one where it's black and white uh, and uh, oh, okay. yeah I forget I forget what the title is but yeah he that's a that was a jewel in there and I think I had a a pretty prominent either Ken Griffey or Don Mattingly card here's what I do remember about my collection I had a really awesome card in like fourth grade and hmm. we had a this was like the boom of the trading card explosion and there was hmm. a dude you know no no knocks on him now but i remember this kid sean was in the grade above me and he ripped he had a solid rip he he ripped me with this 
Mickey Mantle. It was like a cereal box card, but it was a mantle, right? And I was like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm young. I'm like, oh, cool, man. And it was like, you know, kind of crinkled. And I gave him a pristine Don Mattingly or Ken Griffey of some sort. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sat with that. Clearly, it's still, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's made it's, its, it's a patched up it. wound at this point, but uh, <laughs> yeah. definitely was my first first time I got burned, I think, in something. Mm. And uh, it, uh, you know, you, you move on. Uh, yes, things happen. You, 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 you look your wounds. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. But, but people don't forget. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no grudges, except a little bit. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, no, thanks for sharing. Thanks for, um, thanks for indulging me. Sure. Um, I'm curious. Uh, I, I feel like the next one thing that we haven't really touched on that also we spend a lot of time with is, is web three and, mm-hmm. you know, the blockchain, another space where there happens to be a large group of collectors, um, different types of collectors, I think, but you know, with some of the same sort of tendencies and same motivations um and would love to hear a little bit more about how that journey started for you how you first got pulled into that world sure so in 2017 i was doing some consulting work for a new media startup bad mirror tv and uh was doing some basically trying to to grow help grow their audience through videos with comedians and and uh other content content marketing and one of the premises to, you know, again, I, I think Badmir uh, and, the, and the leader Sev, he's, he's a great guy. And part of, you know, they, they might have been just a hair before the wave. Um, so it must, must have, might have been in, in reflection just a, just a tad early. But uh, as part of the decentralized nature of the company and what they were trying to accomplish, they paid uh, everybody in crypto. So at the time, 2017, I wasn't really familiar with what that meant fully. Right. Uh, and at the time, you know, would would have to extract payments. I mean, again, this was early on when I set forth to to uh, onto my own uh, my own journey. So I was, you know, using those funds that I had to, you know, transfer from one ac- account, one exchange to a wallet, and then take the wallet, send it to my bank, you know, it was a very layered, uh, yeah. somewhat convoluted process that, you know, in hindsight, I'm, I'm paying, you know, rent with, with Bitcoin. And, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was the introduction and, um, didn't really think much about the practical use of web three technology or blockchain technology. I just understood it to be a newer way to send funds and access funds and then cut to, right. um, you know, 2019 2020 and there's i think a deeper understanding of utility and and how blockchain is emerging and you know ethereum pops and all this sort of gets me interested in the same way that i was interested in statistics and baseball Mm -hmm. and and all that stuff and thinking of like okay well maybe take that same tenacity and interest in in player statistics and start looking at tokens and start looking at what companies are doing and and what are they uh, attempting to solve and uh, all of that kind of culminated in parallel to the interview work with uh decential and 
again, a conversation with uh, Mel Singh, our, our one of the co-founders, and mm-hmm. um, you know, initially doing the same thing that I've done for say cannabis uh, with with those interviews for Web three and trying to normalize the conversation around individuals who are doing some very brilliant things in the space and trying to understand well you know who are you how did you get to where you are what what did you do to bet on yourself same same pillars that we talked about earlier with right. you know our artists uh well well how is that same philosophy being applied in the web3 space and that was sort of the the journey to to get to here now yeah totally cool i'm curious um how if you could just give me you know very general overview of the ways in which the blockchain tends to interact with the film and entertainment space like i spend all of my time basically with music and like sometimes more of the structural governance side of, of the blockchain but um the application to you know film you know something that i also love uh, as as you know um i haven't spent as much time with so i'd love if if, if you could Indulge me again with a, a you know quick brief of how that interacts, you know most commonly, and what you're most excited about. Also, sure. So two main ways in which I, I've seen and heard how blockchain is is helping influence um, entertainment, particularly one is with smart contracts and the ability to, if it's art or you know, I know, I know you're well versed in the music area, if it, uh is the ability to, you know, in, in, in traditional, call it film, television, you know, there's a lot of people involved in that uh, transaction of, say, if I'm a film director, well, you know, I get and I make, we'll just make this up, uh, a million for a film. Well, mm-hmm. that million is then parceled out to my agent, my manager, any publicity team, you know, and with with smart contracts, there's a way in which you don't have to chase money, see see where it's being held up. Uh, you can everybody can get paid when the funds arrive to that person. So right. it seems to be through some of the conversations I've been having uh, a, a way in which again I don't think mass adoption or or you know, critical adoption or, or widespread adoption, we'll say has, has hit yet. Um, but perhaps in the future it will. And in, in so doing, it will make more efficient that process of helping all the sort of parties on the business side of things get paid out seamlessly, lawyers included, and, and really, uh, make that whole system of perhaps one entity trying to distribute funds to everybody else instantaneous and verifiable with with the blockchain mm-hmm. um from a from a film specific perspective or film and tv specific perspective i think engagement fan engagement in particular has been mm-hmm. the the area in which conversations around the technology have have really focused uh, a good example of that is Recently interviewed uh, Tomasa Sandretto, uh, who's the uh, one of the leads over at Blockchain Creative Labs, and uh, he and his team helped basically create community around Dan Harmon's uh, upcoming new show, Crapopolis, without having the show drop. So mm-hmm. you see Web three technology, blockchain technology, 
interacting with fans on a whole new level. So if you're a fan of you know Dan Harmon's work, you can, without having ever experienced the show, get involved in the community, uh, have have input. Uh, in in this is again an area of the technology that's helping uh, advance the space. Have input into creatively, you know, in in a, in a micro element. You know, you can help vote on what color uh, you you would like to see. Uh, a character's or making this up a, a shirt you know for right. example or, or some some minor detail but again it's that level of interactivity is enabled by the technology and is really right. helping fans engage with the, the properties and the and the creators of the properties engage with the fans in in really cool ways so i'd say those are the the two the two most uh prominent ways in which entertainment has sort of and is continually to embrace the tech is is on the fan side and in the engagement side and then also through smart contracts right so it's kind of like on-chain you know kind of splits i guess from like a payment perspective and then like collectible nfts that can be used you know to cultivate fan engagement and you know provide different utility and stuff 100 percent, and not just for the sake of hey i have this piece you know from this show and it just sits in my wallet no it's right there's practical applications that you know uh, make it. Uh, I was talking to to uh, Sarah Buxton the other day, uh, Bucks over at uh, Gala Music and Gala Entertainment, and she was saying it's it's sort of the next evolution of the the fan club, and and I think that mm-hmm. is actually very true. You know, it's it's fan club on steroids. It's it's allowing that engagement, that access to occur. And yes, it happens to be uh, through that scary word NFT these days. Uh, but but again, with a practical use, it's not just a JPEG sitting somewhere. It it is a an, a tool that can be used if done well to facilitate a deeper, more intimate connection with a piece of art, an artist, music, what whatever you know, a, a TV show, uh, as mm-hmm. we were talking about. I think that's really the the benefit. Cool. I'm curious if you've seen like um I was just talking to this music artist Excellencia um who released a teaser of an upcoming album that he's uh put for sale on Catalog which is like a one of one music NFT platform and he he put the you know starting bid at 32 ETH um which is a lot of money, um, sure. and he explained to me that the the thinking behind it. Uh, he's, so, if you buy it, then you become an executive producer of the project. Um, and and the way that he thought about it, he compared it to like you know when you crowdfund something, you typically get a small amount of money from you know a large amount of people. And he was thinking like he compared it to like an independent film, whereas like if you like you need a lot of capital in order to make a film in the first place. Who's so thinking about it in the same way? Like this, this I'm like giving this to you for an executive producer role, which should be a lot more expensive. I'm curious if you've seen any use cases like that of people using the blockchain to actually help them make make film in the first place. I think a good example of that is. Uh... Nelson Navarrete, he's a, a, a director, a Latino filmmaker, Emmy winner, 
uh, or Emmy Emmy nominated uh, filmmaker, and he has a a project Buscando America right now where they're doing just that. You know, they're using mm. blockchain, they're using NFTs to create a deeper level of engagement with their community and to help drive ownership of whatever it is that they're making, which they're still figuring out as they go. Um, but it is it is a very much a film and and they're basically taking each step of the filmmaking process and using blockchain to give to fans, to give to supporters while mm -hmm. kind of taking us through that journey of filmmaking. So traditionally what is done behind the scenes, you know, pre-production, production, post, all of those stages, uh, what he's working on is, is to kind of illuminate those steps, but then also mm -hmm. provide fans and, and uh, backers with real, you know, with, with um, it's, it's a, it's a feedback loop in that sense. He, they're giving to the community in some way through their drops. And then the community is getting back um, through participation and through the uh, experience. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're creating a new way in which to both fund and shoot and create a film. So I think cool. that's a top of mind, uh, very applicable example to the question you asked. Totally. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's like it's like he's you know charging for backstage passes to the entire filmmaking process, where everybody behind you know who, like basically everybody gets a ticket gets to be kind of a producer in some sense. Yeah, and and he can and you know we have uh, there's a lights camera crypto episode uh, with him, and I think there's a decential editorial that kind of in a much more clean cleaner way than I just described it kind of outlines how how he and his team are doing that process. But uh, but yeah, it, it is interesting and it is definitely um, it's definitely cool to see how the tech and the creations are merging in in a very tangible way. Totally. Yeah, it's it's been cool to see people who are, you know, applying this to all the various stages of of the creative process from like giving people the means to you know, make it in the first place to having a more transparent, intimate, you know, connection with the art along the way to like actually monetizing the content um in a in very creative ways at at the end. Um and and speaks to like it's it's another tool for those people who are are very passionate about what they're doing, um, who are willing to like pursue this, what is still, I guess, kind of an experimental technology um, uh, in order to achieve what they want to build. Totally. Um, which, which brings me back to the question I wanted to ask you that I mentioned that I didn't ask is taking those three distilled bullet points of, of all of, all of the creators that you've ever spoken with. How do you think about that um, when it's mapped on, on your own blueprint? How do you apply these things to your, traje your, your, your trajectory in life, let's say? Sure, well, I think, I think first and foremost for me, they serve as reminders. You know, they, they serve as when I, when I look at my next steps, or when I evaluate, you know, should I 
get involved in a particular project or mm-hmm. even when I'm working on something that I'm working on, you know, it, it serves as a reminder to one, keep, keep that fun place of creativity in mind. Um, and really, I mean, I, I'd had a, I'm just talking, it's in the ether. Uh, <laughs> I've been mm-hmm. talking to a lot about this over the past week with, with various different people. And, um, it, it's a it's a reminder to to you know when you're stuck get back to that place uh, mm-hmm. when you're stuck artistically get back to that place of when you were uh, you know I'll, I'll give him a shout out Mark, Morgan Jay's comedian we we had an interview um, uh, that should be coming out in the next uh, you know month or so and uh, he he said it really nicely he was like you know I I like to get back to that place where. I'm I'm a third grader with that piece of uh, construction paper, you know, mm. or, or cardboard cutout, and that's stuck with me for the past couple of weeks. Where it's like mm. it's such a beautiful visual, and it's true. It's like when you're when you're stuck, or when you're trying to wrangle a creative problem, or any problem really. It's like getting putting yourself into that space mentally, mm. and I think it frees you up to to find solutions. So. First and foremost, the bullet points serve as a as a beacon, I think, to mm-hmm. and a reminder to to create and try to live in that space at least from a point of creation. And two, I think they just exist as as extensions in some ways. Since I'm distilling them and then reporting them back to you, mm. it's also a reflection of sort of my own personal beliefs. Like I, I couldn't share that with you and not fully stand by it. Or else, mm. <laughs> you know, like I, yeah. I guess I could, in the sense of, hey, this is what I'm reporting on. Hey, this is the these are the commonalities. But the fact that those conversations are about are about success and and are about giving something to people that in any facet of life, creative or or any industry, you know, it doesn't have to be art or entertainment. You know, there I'm I'm sharing them through the lens, my own lens of. Right. In a way that I believe, right, right. So, so, you know, again, I'm not taking ownership of any of of those stories, but I am agreeing with sort of the commonalities that have uh, erupted and definitely um, wholeheartedly, uh, I think, align with them uh, from a values and uh, motivation standpoint. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's. Like I, as, as you're saying, like the takeaways that you're going to get from, um, you know, any of those conversations are going to be the things that are not only commonalities across all of these, but the ones that are most resonant to you. And like, um, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, and and they feel like very clear, clear distillations of like, you know, in in wanting to seek, uh these reminders or have these reminders it feels like you've you've set these like pretty structured guardrails to keep you keep you keep you going in the you know, direction that you care about going in yeah i think so and i think it's it starts with curiosity you know i'm finding out that information not because i think this is what i need to figure out but it's because i genuinely i, I i'm curious as to how you know what are those moments in, in one's trajectory where they 
weaned in, you know, they, they, they had the external validation from an experience or a conversation or an aha moment and mm-hmm. recognized, okay, hey, I, I, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and really, I mean, it's, it's just a, in some ways, it's, it's, it's influenced by the book The Alchemist, you know, and, and mm. uh, kind of trying to uncover those, a lot of what that book talks about. Um, trying to uncover the the real life examples of people and you know and then the more you uncover it the more you start to see that those are actually patterns and those are and those everybody has who's had some semblance of success they might be many small moments that have reinforced their their path but at some point anybody who has built a career on themselves for whatever you know if you're a basketball player or a comedian or you know whomever you you took a chance you you bet on yourself and you went through some process in order to do so whether consciously mm-hmm. or unconsciously so it's you know as much as it's uh as much as it's me seeking out answers that align with my own value system it's also seeking out answers that really fuel uh, and fill a curiosity Hmm. Yeah. I do feel like, uh, I mean, we all are distinct autonomous beings, of course, but I feel like there, there is like these moments of curiosity, these moments of commonality. It's like when you uncover them, you know, because they feel a certain way, because it, hmm. it feels like you're tapping into something that is, is fundamentally human. Yes. Um, and when something is that resonant, you remember it. Uh, because I don't think they happen that often, and there aren't really that many things that you can really experience the depth of like a human fundamental. Uh, so when you do, you pay attention and you remember them. And yes, it makes sense for those to spur more curiosity and and you know be a beacon, as as you said, as you try to try to live as best you can (laughs) yeah i mean that's that's all you can do is is to you know continue to evolve and embrace change and and as you're saying you just pay attention you know it's it's all those commonalities uh are around us and if we tap into that frequency you know i think we'll be a little more aware that they exist you know, and, and yeah. I guess that's the other thing. You you mentioned Beacon. It's it's very akin to that. It's it's showing up, hearing hearing a story, and then being able to say, ah, okay, this is. You, you, it's it's almost like you're hearing words, and then uh, a map erupts in front of you, yeah. and you can say, okay, hey, I, I see, I see it, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, that also makes us, you know, kinder, more empathetic beings as well, because we're tapping into something that is a shared experience across all peoples and um totally so there's a lot a lot of good that can come out from you know being curious and inquiring about people's stories and talking talking through them so i think so i think so and it's and it's also a great way to bridge divides you know totally learn, getting over fears learning about genuinely not just you know going through the motions of having a conversation but having taking that curiosity seriously and, and allowing yourself to be exposed to new opinions, new ideas. I mean, that's right. Isn't that how we all grow in advance? I mean, I think totally. that's the, that's the, 
And that's the spice of life, as they say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Variety. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, through this exercise, we have proven that, that that works. Look at all the commonalities that we've uncovered in, in each other just, just through that exact practice. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Indeed. And that, that beautiful thing feels like a good, a good spot to, to wrap things up. Um, I do have, I typically ask one, this one question to everybody at the end of these podcasts. I'm actually going to turn it into a three-part question for you. Okay. Um, the question I always ask is, you're going to a desert island and you get to bring three records with you. What are they? So mm. there's that. Consider that. But I'm expanding that to two other parts, given the nature of your work and our conversation. One, who's your favorite baseball player? And two, which film or TV show has been made that you wish you had made? Hmm. There you go. I, I just laid a lot on you, I know. Feel free to take a sec. <laughs> yeah, this is this requires this this is not something you can impulsively answer, you know? No. Desert Island only three albums. I mean I don't know. It's it's an impossible question, but like that's also the point. Like see see what bubbles up immediately, you know. Well I hold me, you to it. Sure, sure. I, you know, first thought I would say Californication from the Chili Peppers for sure. Nice. Just to just to have that. I think there's each song on that album you can you listen to it at a different time and you can hear something different or unpack mm -hmm. something new or hear a different meaning to the lyrics. So I would say that one's rife with um with it goes well with time. If you were to take that album and and you're alone on an island, it's I think it's like a fine wine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You have time to yourself to contemplate the universe. It it, it parallels uh it jives well on that tip i would think too that any sort of classical music so you know of course mm -hmm. the greats beethoven mozart if there's uh, a cd that kind of encapsulates i would basically go to um well i'm stranded right so in advance uh <laughs> I, I i would have handy in in case that uh stranded uh occurrence happens i would have handy sort of like a, an iTunes collection of the best uh, meditative uh, classical tracks or, you know, ones for focus, whatever, you know, Apple uh, has sometimes. And uh, yeah. it would be a collection of classical music, I think, because one, it's, it's sort of, for me, uh, I, I, I enjoy it because you can have it while you work. You could use it while you're driving on a, on a journey. You can listen to it while you're walking around the the neighborhood and it doesn't detract from you being in the Experience. present moment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um so that'd be two. And then three, I don't know, maybe any album from a tribe called Quest, just to throw in some uh nice. some some beats and, and and keep the rhythm there, you know, but also have the depth that 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 they have in their lyrics. So it would be, I think those would be my that would be my pillar uh, uh my my trio of, Great of trio. music yeah thank you uh well thank them for uh, all all, <laughs> yeah. all 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 of those uh artists for for their contributions uh to to my uh deserted uh experience um, <laughs> the you mentioned movies uh favorite movie that that i would like to make that that uh 
A movie or a TV show that has been made that you wish you had, like you had made first. Oh man, I think. I mean, just just because I saw it in the theaters probably five or six times when it came out was super bad. I think just <laughs> from a from a bromance comedy perspective, I I admire uh, the work of of Evan and uh, uh, Seth and. Uh, you know, really, really think that uh, they nailed it with with obviously many more films, but uh, that particularly had had such a good. Uh, it just it it worked for me on a lot of levels. Um, I really appreciated yeah, that film. It's incredible, great, great. I haven't seen it in a long time. Actually, I should I should go bust back it out. It. Yeah, bring it bust out of the vault. Yeah, and then lastly, yeah, uh, I'm blanking on the. The third question: Your you. your favorite baseball player? Oh, to, like current baseball player or in life? We can say if 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 it's two different people, let's let's go with both. It's a great question. Is it fine? Is it okay to not have a current favorite? Yeah, I I also don't. So it's you don't need one. All right, <laughs> it can cool. be just forever. Yeah, I, I think the sport the sport as a whole is is the favorite and that's not a listeners that's not a cop out that's just uh if keegan doesn't have one either i, I feel less uh well, i do have a favorite player i don't have a favorite current player current okay cool so so not having a current favorite i'd say historically man i think uh, i would say mike piazza you mike know piazza. and, and the, re the reason why was or is Growing up, seeing him be a, a pretty solid offensive catcher mm. and have the control they had behind the plate was, and again, maybe we, we, we call it pre-Mets Mike. Uh, <laughs> pre-Mets Mike. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I just I remember being inspired by how he played both sides of the ball uh, as, a, as a youth. and. Uh, you know, I guess we didn't get into this, but on a fun tangent, I'm still very much involved in baseball and reflect mm -hmm. on him, you know, in, in a men's league. So we still play to this day. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And have been playing same, same core group of guys for the past probably five, five years or so. So it's, uh, he's, he's a good, I, I want to strive to be that level of both a defensive catcher and offensive player. That, that yeah. he is yeah so so are you a catcher i am yeah 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 Yeah. okay makes sense makes sense and i do use those knee savers because uh otherwise i don't know how those no guys knees. do it without yeah man <laughs> uh, that's, that's they have that name for a reason they serve their purpose and uh you know couldn't be more on the nose yeah <laughs> Indeed, we'll leave. We'll leave everyone with the knee savers. <laughs> yeah, no, no um, official uh, sponsorship yet, but uh, yeah, yeah, looking for a knee savers company, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, cool. And 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 lastly, where um, if people want to follow along um, with what you're doing, what's the best place for them to do that? Sure. So. All works usually end up on my website, uh, www. Stephen with a ph, Ladin.com. 
Uh, so that's not Stephen with a PH. That's S T E P H E N Ladin L A D D I N dot com. Uh, you can follow me on socials. It's at Sladin S L A D D I N both on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, you know you'll you'll be able to get uh, the latest interviews, the latest podcasts, uh, lights, camera, crypto for Decentral, and uh, you know some other content as well. Cool. You heard it here first, folks. Um, so go give him a follow. Check out the work that that he's doing. Um, and yes, yeah, Steve, I'm really glad that we're able to do this. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you for having me. It was uh, it was a pleasure. All right, that's it for this episode of Big Brother and the Hodling Company. I'm your host, McKeegan Voice, and you can keep up with me and all the latest Web3 music trends on Twitter at McKeegan. That's M-A-C-E-A-G-O-N. This show is a production of Decentral Media. And you can visit us at Decentral.io. And remember, only you can prevent and fend off. Big Brother. <laughs>